Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Can we give it up for Jesus today? Thank you, Jesus. Can we give it up for our awesome worship team today? It's been a long, long time. Thank you, Pastor Lionel. It's been a long, long time since I got to see all their beautiful faces singing. You can bring up the lights, Ivy. How's everybody doing? Doing good, doing good. Y'all get y'all feel on Thanksgiving food? I just want food and nothing else. (laughs) Man, Thanksgiving was different. I don't know if anybody got the chance, you know, to be with family, but I know this year Thanksgiving was like a lot different for me. I know me and my little growing family, we, uh, we stayed home, and we had went over to a family member's house, picked up a package of food, and stayed at the house and watched movies. Now, I don't know about what your favorite movie is, but I got a confession to make today, okay? My favorite movie, Die Hard? Nah, not quite. My favorite movie, not Moana, my favorite movie is Star Wars. Now, I don't know if anybody else likes Star Wars, and I don't know. I got one person with me. That's fine. There we go. Two, three. But I love the movie Star Wars. And Tony, yes, I love all 11 live-action movies. Even, even the lesser Solo and, and the other one, like that, I still love it. I love the story of Star Wars. And it's interesting because the people that don't know about the story of Star Wars, they look at maybe a particular part of the story and think, oh, it's just laser beams and aliens. It's just spaceships and and, and laser swords. When in reality, it tells this long story about how one person made a decision that changed everything. And and when you come to, when when you look at a story, when you look at a story in its entirety, you get the theme, you get what the story is about. And a lot of times when we only catch a clip, when we only catch a glimpse of what happens in the story, we don't get a full understanding of the full story. Now, now, just like Star Wars, and I'm not trying to liken Star Wars to our living word, but sometimes when we read our word and we only catch a glimpse of what's in it, we, we take it for what it is on the surface. Yes, David and Goliath was a story about victory. Yes, David and Goliath was a story about faith. But ultimately, the story is about Jesus. Now, some of you guys are kind of giving me a puzzled look from your mask. I know if you're at home, you're like... What on earth is he talking about? But here we have a a, a, a anointing king, a servant, a shepherd, somebody that shows up humble in, in meekness that comes and defeats the enemy on behalf of the people of God. Now, now, you don't have to have a theology degree to realize that that mirrors. I'm not saying David is God because trust me, David did some stupid things. David was a murderer. David was an adulterer. David was a liar, but in this moment of David and Goliath, in this story, in this moment in time, we catch a glimpse of what Jesus did on the cross. So so rather than us reading this text and seeing ourselves as David, at best we are the people of Israel. At very best we are the people of Israel. You want to know why? Because the people of Israel wanted to do what they wanted to do. 
And I don't know how people have read this story. Maybe you've just stopped in David and Goliath in Sunday school, or maybe you did the coloring thing in, 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 in Sunday school and in colored Goliath and colored David. But I want you to recognize that we are not the unlikely hero of this story. That ultimately Jesus is the hero of the collective story of the Bible. So, so, so when we... When we see ourselves as the hero, we are misinterpreting what the scripture is trying to tell us. And like I said before, at very best, we are the people of Israel. Amen. They are godless. They're the one that elected their king. If you read on earlier in 1 Samuel, the people had already been led by God. God had already given them commandments. God had already given them provision. God had already given them people to guide them, and yet they're like, look, we want a king like the other people have kings. We want to be able to make decisions like the other people are able to make decisions. So give us a king that will like that will guide us, when in reality, they were just choosing a way that they can do whatever they want to. Much like with us without Christ, when, 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 when we are without Christ, we just do whatever lawless thing that comes into our heart's desire. So it's important for us to recognize that, look, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. That's what Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 9 says. It says, the heart is deceitfully deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Proverbs 21 verse 2 and 3 says, people may be right in their own eyes. But the Lord examines their heart. The Lord is more pleased when they do what is right than when we offer him sacrifices. And that's, that's a little bit of shade thrown in the Bible, if you didn't know. Because when Saul was appointed king, Saul was doing any which thing that he wanted to. That, that, that Samuel, the prophet, the one that, that anointed this king for, for the people of Israel, as soon as he got that power, he took advantage of it. As soon as he got that power, he was doing anything that he wanted to. He broke rules. He broke sacred law. He was making sacrifices when he wasn't meant to be making sacrifices. And what it's saying is, like, look, you can look the part all you want to, but if your heart isn't right, it doesn't mean anything. And this is our first point. We can't be satisfied with just looking the part of a hero. We can't be satisfied with just looking the part of the hero. Let me share something with you guys. Look. This dude, Saul, had everything. Saul was, was, was slim, trim, and above the rim. Saul was tall. He was really good looking. And guess what? He had the money. He had all the money. But, but Saul had serious character issues. He may have looked the part of a king. He may have looked the part of a hero. But in all reality, his heart was just as broken as anybody else that is ungodly. So, so, so when we look back at the story, when we go back to First, uh, first Samuel chapter 17, when, when the enemy showed himself, when, when the very epitome of death that we look at in this, in this scripture uh, of First Samuel chapter 17, it says in verse 11, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. They were terrified and deeply shaken. Shaken. When you look at this word terrified in the original language, it literally means to be shattered, be dismayed, be broken, be abolished, and to be afraid. That although the appearance seemed like it was all good, 
on the inside he was broken. That although the appearance seemed like it was, it was one of a hero, he was still broken. And here's what I've come to tell you guys. Say, look, you can keep up all the appearances that you want to. But until you get your heart right, you will still be broken. Don't, don't let what people have to say fool you. Just because you look the part doesn't mean that you are the part. And there are so many times that we put it in our own minds, in our own understandings, that we think that we're doing the right thing. But just like the word says, that, that our heart are deceitfully wicked. It's like driving a car where the steering wheel doesn't work. Like everything looks good. Everything kind of sounds good. The engine revs up. But when it comes to steer the car, when it comes to driving the car, you're going in the direction that you thought that you were going in. So it's important that we can't be satisfied with just looking the part of, the, of a hero. But, but, but when we look at 1, chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 17, when Saul had messed up, there needed to be a king that was put in his place. A king, a, a man that was after God's own heart. A man that, 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 that had a heart for God. And in the moment where Samuel was going to go choose this, this, this new king, he goes to this guy named Jesse in Bethlehem. He goes and he rises, and Jesse had eight sons, right? And, and, and Jesse's sons were, were some handsome guys. All the oldest ones almost looked kind of like Saul. So when Samuel had showed up to go anoint the new king, he's all like, this oldest one must be him. He has to be. He kind of looks like Saul, kind of built, slim trim above the rim. And God was like, mm-mm, not that one. He's like, where man looks at the outside and look at the inside. Where man looks at appearances, I look at the inside. And Paul went through all seven of his sons, and God was like, mm-mm, nope, nope, mm-mm, nope, next, nope, mm-mm. He said, there, there has to be one more son. Jesse's like, well, I got one more son. He's out in the pasture herding the sheep. He calls in David. Here comes David, this scrawny little boy, good-looking, but he was a man after God's own heart. So, so when, when, when David arrives on the scene, God is like, that's the one. He might not look the part. He might not, like, not look like a hero. But this is the unlikely hero that I'm going uh, to choose to deliver you from this Philistine. To deliver you from certain death. Because I want to share something with you guys. Look, Goliath was, was, no, was no pipsqueak. Goliath was nine some feet tall. Gargantuan. Facing him meant facing certain death. Facing him meant, look, look, if we go against this guy, we are surely going to die. And here's our, here's our second point for today. The first point was we can't be satisfied with just looking the part of a hero. Our second point is this. Our unlikely hero faces certain death on our behalf. Our unlikely hero faces certain death on our behalf. You know, Jesus didn't show up looking like a hero. Jesus didn't show up looking like, like a Saul, slim trim above the wind, rim built. I imagine Jesus being like this, like regular old, just, man, who is this carpenter, bro? Like, who is this guy? But, but, but in, a, in a certain way that Jesus challenged all of the holy people's thoughts of what a Messiah was supposed to be. That he wasn't somebody that came in with a sword. He wasn't somebody that came in looking like a war, but he came in like a prophet. He came in like somebody that was ready to make a sacrifice. And so in Jesus facing this, this giant, 
in Jesus facing death, sin, and the grave on the cross, he dies on our behalf. Here's, what, here's, here's, the, here's the connection that I want you guys to make. That right now, and I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but, but right now, if you think that you're doing the right thing, you think that you're making the right choices without God, it says in the word that the wages of sin is death. That it was Saul's leadership, it was Saul's choices that led them to this point, and it really exposed Saul for who he really was. That when it comes to us facing death, that we might think that we have everything together in this life, we might think that we're doing good things, we might think that we're doing good choices, that you know we, we give away food during Thanksgiving, and we, we do all the right things, and we give a little bit of money to the guy that's on the corner, and we, we do all the right things and everything like that, but in all reality, the only person equipped to face death is our unlikely hero, and that's Jesus Christ. So here's the connection. Our unlikely hero faces death on our behalf. There's nothing that we could have did for it. There's nothing that we could do for it. It says that God is the one that weighs the hearts. When I, when I think about God weighing hearts, I think about this. You guys ever seen like the old school scale? And grandma, if you're watching, I kind of want that gold scale that you have. She used to have at your old house. She still got it? All right, for sure. If it's in your garage, I'll dig and find it because maybe i use it as an illustration in the future or something. I don't know. But anyways, when you look at like the old school scales, right? The ones that they used to do. What they do is they take what, what, what the amount that's owed or, or the, the, the standard that's owed, and then you put in what needs to balance out the scales. And when I hear God weighing hearts, it's like God setting the standard, us trying to put in our, our goodness and, our, and our, our righteousness, and the scale doesn't even move. That the standard has already been set. That, that we have to recognize that, that, that our unlikely hero, Jesus, is the only one to face death on, on our behalf. In Romans chapter 5, it reads this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we, we're enemies... For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received a reconciliation. So back to that illustration of the scale where God weighs the hearts. It's like, look, here's the standard. You can try to put your righteousness in. You can try to put your goodness in. But the scales aren't going to move. I'm going to have to meet the standard with the standard. Amen. Meeting the standard with the standards. Because once, once I meet the standard with the standard, all debts have been paid. Yes, this is what Jesus does for us on the cross. This is what Jesus does by, by facing death and overcoming death and sin in the grave. Is that he does it on our behalf. He does it. Uh, uh, because of our sins, he does it so that we can be made right and in right standing with him. So it's important that we recognize that Jesus is the only standard that we can be delivered with. And as I come to a close, this is the last thing that we need to recognize. Our response to our unlikely hero has to be in faith. Our response to our likely hero has
has to be in faith. Listen, the story does not end with David slaying Goliath. The story doesn't end there. There's a particular part at the very end of 1 Samuel chapter 17 that we need to recognize what the people of God did when they had got the victory. When they got the victory, they didn't just stand there and say, oh, well, that was good. Wow. That was great. That David guy, whoa, it's a good guy. You know what they did? After David got the victory over the giant, after David overcame death incarnate, They ran in victory. They adopted the victory that they didn't fight for. They adopted that, that, that freedom that they had just been given. Because don't believe that these people weren't oppressed. Don't believe that, that, that their choices didn't lead them to a point where, look, that they were afraid and that they were broken and that they were dismayed. But we have to recognize that in this moment, what the picture that David and Goliath is painting for us isn't just a story about how to be morally good, how to do good things so that I can overcome addiction, do good things so I can overcome these different things. The only way to overcome the sin and the shortcomings of your life is to respond to what Jesus did on the cross. Here's our response. It's in faith. It's in faith that look, I don't know where this road is leading us, but we just got victory over the, the, the worst thing that we could have ever faced. Jesus overcame death for you. Jesus overcame the grave for you. And believe it or not, you deserve death, but Christ still died for you. If we can all stand to our feet. This is our response. We're not trying to be more like David. We're trying to be more like Christ. That in recognizing his sacrifice, in recognizing his victory, we take on that victory. So here's our response. Repent. Believe. Repent and believe. This is how we adopt the victory. This is how we follow Christ. It's turning away from the things that we know, turning away from the things that we think are right, turning away from the things that we think that makes us good, and turning towards the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is the victory that we adopt in Jesus. Jesus is our unlikely hero because he, he challenges each and everything that we think is right. What, what, what kind of hero would tell you to love your enemy? What kind of hero will tell you to forgive the person that offended you? Jesus is the way to true life. Jesus is the way to life more abundantly. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit did a work in you. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.